Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, today I'm in Florida via Zoom talking to the I Am Cool King, Queen Cool C. <laughs> I can't get it right. <laughs> I was just laughing because the funniest thing when I met his name is Carlton Mosley. I just had to ask him, I'm like, what is your real name? Because I only know right. him as Cool C. And first of all, the funniest thing when I, the first time I heard you speak, uh, Cool C, is at my school. And I remember when you spoke, just the energy, how you just lit up that stage and just was bouncing off of the walls. And I was just so excited to meet you. And I said, oh my gosh, we're going on the road together. We can be cool C and cool and cool T. <laughs> <laughs> Since I, I was starting to go by T back then, that was many mm -hmm. years ago, which yes, is so awesome. But thank you so mm -hmm. much for being on this podcast interview today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be um, in great presence. Uh, and likewise. Mm -hmm. So the most amazing thing about uh, Cool C is he went from being homeless, literally eating dirt for food, uh, to becoming a drug dealer, to becoming now a hair master that he is, that everyone calls him in the hair industry. He's been in it for 20 years. He's known as the quote unquote, best to ever do it. He created trends such as hair spikes, micro mini curls, a style he created by shaving down curling irons with sandpaper to make the irons mm -hmm. smaller. I love her. I love it. We have a little bit of an inventor here. And he's now a founder and CEO of Hair School, Cool C, International Academy of Hair. And he's published a magazine called Below Zero. And he also has a reality TV series coming and he's working on a hair care line, Iconic, I believe it's called, and a big, huge trade show. And I know we're going to talk about that, but first and foremost, hello, you went from being homeless to literally eating dirt for food. Talk about that process and that untold story. Well, first of all, thank you for the intro. I'm at the hire you. Um, um, <laughs> I, I was homeless. My mom was on, on drugs and we used to stay with her. So I would be, picture this, I would be in my room as a little kid and I'll be looking through the peephole and I'll see her boyfriend and her literally shooting drugs. So as a minor, I, I saw that. I, I thought it was, it was regular. So we did, did that. We went without eating while she was there but she just lapsed and left and didn't come back. She went probably like on what you call a drug, a drug capade. Basically, she probably locked herself up in the room and they probably did drugs over and over and over and over for probably about a week or so. So that left me and my two older sisters there by herself with no food, nowhere to go, no phone, no nothing. And creatively, I was the man of the house. So I had to go outside and, and dig up some dirt and bring it in the house. And that's what we would eat to survive. Wow. How old were you? 
<clears throat> at that time, we was about like 10, 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. Had to grow up real, real, yeah. real fast. Yeah. How long did that go on for before you finally got help? Okay, that probably went on for about, um, for about, about two weeks. And that's when my auntie and my family found out that we were there by ourselves. And they came and got us and rescued us. Mm. Um, my grandmother came and got one of my sisters. My auntie came and got the other sister. And my other auntie came and got me. So three different family members came and got all three of us. Wow. That's amazing. What's, how old were you, 11 or 12 at that time when, they, when your auntie found you? And what was that like for you when that happened? And have you seen your mom since? And what's that story? <clears throat> okay. So once they came, it was really like a breath of fresh air, first of all, to, to be able to get a, a, um, a good meal. Um, one thing about my Aunt Princella, they, you know, they um, cook great meals every Sunday. Um, that was the, our church-going side of the family, where they believed in family um, soul food Sundays and having a full three meals every day. So that was amazing right there. Um, my mom, she came back, didn't even know we were gone. She was just standing in the house. But once she came to herself, she found out that we were gone. That's when she came violently over to my auntie's house. It was one night. We was all out there on the porch. Mind you, a couple months been had went by. When she finally found out where we were at, she came like I have older it's it's her actual sister and the husband that were on the porch. So she came and beat him up and knocked him off the porch to get us. She was really strong <laughs> and violent. So um, yeah, we end up, um, the, the, the kids came out and, um, held her and they called the police on her and she left. And then they went and got guardianship over us at that time. Okay. Have you seen your mom since? I would see her, but not going to lie. You know, first time I'm really been talking about my mother on air. So you get the exclusivity. I've been hurt all this time. I seen her off and on, but she moved to Florida eventually. And I haven't made my way to go see her. Mm -hmm. But my prayer, because at the end of the day, she had me and I've got over all that. She's in Ocala, Florida. I'm going to go ahead and make my way down there. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. What yes, a story. So tell, uh, tell your story, and how did you become a drug dealer? What happened with that process? What's that untold story? Well, where I'm from, I'm from um, a small city called Ecorse, Michigan. It's um, southwest Detroit area, the Down River area. And um, we, we, uh, of course, I grew up poor. You know, I used to have one pair of pants. We'd switch it, um, put it on one side, and then we'd flip it on the other side. It'd be like two pair of pants. And I'll do that every day, all week. Um, all the people and the young ladies, they teased us. I wanted to be cool. <laughs> I wanted to be cool like the other guys that had the trucks with the sounds in them and, you know, the nice gym shoes and the nice clothes. So, man, I, I hooked up with um, a neighborhood drug dealer and he, he gave me some drugs because I wanted to be fly. I needed to get the latest gear and the latest shoes. 
And um, yeah, I started selling drugs. But I'm going to be honest with you. You know, a lot of people be capping, be fronting like, hey, I was the biggest drug dealer in the world. I sucked at selling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was the worst. <laughs> I owed everybody. I, I couldn't flip the money. Mm. So I'm so grateful for that small little stint. I, I did it for a minute, but I wasn't great, great at it. I will tell you a story. Um, these, it, it, was a, it was a huge drug dealer game. They, they gave me some drugs. And... I lost the sack. Or no, no. I was staying with my cousin and my cousin was on drugs. Mm. So you already know when you leave and they know you got some drugs in the room and they own drugs, they broke into my room and stole the drugs. So that, that's what happened. So the people, they wanted to, to kill me. So I was like, man, listen, I'll make it up. I was going through it. They let, they let it slide. I, was, I went to beauty school. Because the guy was like, man, I'm end up killing you. need to go to beauty school because I was cutting their hair too. They said you need to go to beauty school or something. So I ended up going to beauty school. But the guy never forgot that I owe him, like, I think it was $1,000. Mm. And when I was doing hair after school, I heard somebody knock on the side door. It was a bing, bing, bing. It's time to pay the piper, baby. I guess he'd been watching me do hair. And so he was up with a gun and wanted to come in there and I guess rob me or get his money. So I stopped doing hair, ran out the side door, jumped in my car, and we, we was on a high-speed chase. Going down the street, and he was looking to kill me at that time. So mm -hmm. he was on the side, and I stopped in the middle of the street. He kept going, took my bumper with him. I turned around, and I got away. But I only got away for a minute, they saw me with my girl in the car at Oconee Island, and they told me to get out the car. So they took my car, and they said, when I bring them the $1,000, I can get my car back. So it was really embarrassing. I had to walk on with my girl, and I eventually got the $1,000 because I was doing hair. And when I got it, the car wouldn't start. So I had to push the car down the street in front of the whole neighborhood. That that was when I said, I am never doing drugs, selling drugs. I never did drugs. I never selling drugs again. And I took doing hair very serious, and I did it full time. Wow. How old were you at that time when all this happened? We talk, we, we, we're talking at like 6, 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. And how old are you now? Yep, 17. I'm 45. Yeah, you're 45. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what's the process? What happened uh, to Cool C from 17 till now? Like, what's that journey? Okay. So because I, I, I saw their work ethic in the streets, they would sell drugs for 24 hours a day. I said, well, you know what I do? I do hair for 24 hours a day. So I took their same hustle, what I learned over there and seeing them, and I took it and applied it to the to the hair industry. They used to come up to the shop and say, hey, you want to go, um, first of all, you want to go to the park? No. Want to go to the party? No. I'm standing up here, I'm doing hair. So I used to do what we call overnighters. I would do hair 24 hours a day sometimes. <laughs> and that's honestly how I got good and how I made so much money. And I took that money and I invested and I went to the top hairstylist in Detroit and took hands-on training classes. If it was a teacup ponytail, if it was a feather ponytail, whoever was the best, 
I made the money to pay them to teach me. So while I was in school, I still got high in education. So while I was in school in Virginia Farrells, I went to Virginia Farrells in Lincoln Park on um, Fort Street. I won 21 competitions. Wow. And I only lost one. And that was because they thought that I, I cheated and let a professional do my work. But they don't understand. All alone, I was taking classes and investing into my career. So that was the early part. Then I started doing hair shows and started blowing up. Because my credit to my sister, she was Miss Black. She was Miss Black Michigan at the time. So she understood the um, how to get models dressed and all that good stuff. So I had an advantage. So she would pick the models out, do the makeup, and I laid the hair out, and she would get her dressed. And man, it was, it was a sister and brother team like no other. I won the first place competition of a big guy. See, I'm from the small hood. It was a guy that was from the city of Detroit. And we went to battle at the State Theater downtown. That was the one of the biggest battles. It was 3,000 people in the audience. And I won first place. Wow. After that, it was on and popping. I, I, got, I got used to that because I never had anything. So I wanted money. I wanted the girls. I wanted to have some stuff. And I just put my head down and worked very, very hard. So my whole career, I, I, I did hair a lot. <clears throat> and I always liked ownership. So I would do the, if I did a hair show, I wanted to throw a hair show. If I use your product, I wanted to own the product. If I went to your school, I wanted to own the school. That's been my thought process the whole time. I never was in the hair business. I was always into business hair. Mm. It was always business before hair. And, the, and, and, and I was one of the most sought after independent hairstylists in the world, probably from 1996 to 2013. Wow. That's incredible. Yes. So where did that come from? Uh, because I feel like this one's going to be called be a master because you could be the best at something. And that's what I love about you is that you just always want to be the best. But where did that really come from? And what's that untold story for you? Because we'll talk to that process about, because a lot of people just kind of settle. I feel like you don't settle. I mean, how could no. a man like you go from eating dirt to the way that you were treated by your mom to be the person that you are today? Like, what's that untold story for you? Well, my untold story for me, because um, one of my cousins that I stayed with, you know, of course, we stayed with six people when I was growing up in my auntie house. She would always tell me, you ain't going to make it to 12. You're not going to make it to 15. You're not going to make it to 17. So I used that as energy. And like I said, the, the, the drug dealers that I saw, we call them street daddies at that time. They were literally, I, I'm, I don't really want to say their name. Well, well they're already in jail, but it, it, it was called BMF, Black Mafia Family. They recently got probably 10-some years ago, got arrested. But that's probably about, worth about a billion dollars. So their technique and their, their work ethic is what I took in. So I just, I, I, I never settled because of, I saw them never selling. And then I didn't want to go back to being poor because I got a taste of the good life. Mm -hmm. At that time, I started making 500000 a year from behind the chair. Yeah. A half a million dollars a year. The most I've made in doing hair just me independently with everything I was doing was 2.5 million. 
So I was used to making money. So I personally didn't want to not make money. I didn't want to go back to poverty. I didn't want to go back to the projects and I didn't want to, you know, go back to the hood. Yeah. You just knew what you didn't want and you went after it. And that's what I think is amazing to be a master. Yes. One of the things that how we hire our stylists and our team is you got to be hungry. I don't know if you yes. were Les Smith, but he always says you got to be hungry. Yeah, <laughs> Les Brown. Yeah. Number one is be hungry. Like, yes. And so you just knew you didn't want to eat dirt again. But what about those people out there what what caused you to not go into victim or animal mode because most people would go to animal mode and be homeless and stay homeless so what caused okay. you to flip that switch to not go to that route okay to not to be homeless because i was i, I obtained a work ethic and with my repetition in in school while i was in school doing hair so i just knew that the more heads i did the more i'm involved i'll never be broke again so I did more of that and I, nothing, I crammed my schedule with everything, anything come up. If somebody had a hair show, I'm in it. If somebody, in, anyway, it could be hair shows every single weekend. We in it, we doing it, we doing it. So I, I covered myself in the hair field where that the, my past and everything that I've been through did not exist anymore. Cause now I'm a full fledged member of the hair industry of Detroit, Michigan. And the culture in Detroit was phenomenal. They, the, what I love about my city and where I came up in the time that I came up, you had hair design magazines, you had prestige magazines, and then you had people doing big hair shows at State Theater. So it was always something to do within my hair business. So I dove up into everything from being in the, getting ready for the best magazine, doing the best ads, doing the best shows, you know what I'm saying? I'll do a, a mini skit, a mini movie. I'm, I'm telling you, once I got in it, the hunger was there so much, I just, I couldn't get, I'm like, the, the, like Kobe Bryant, you know, blessed, mm -hmm. my favorite artist. Yeah. You know, I, I had the same type of hunger that he had, the mamba mentality, but we gonna call it the cool C mentality of being resilient, never giving up, and always want to be the best. And the good thing about that right there, my mother was on crack and my pop was a pimp. So I never wanted to resort to go back to that. So my why was big enough to never want to go back broke again. I kept that at the forefront and I put my head down and I grind. Yeah, that, that's a big why right there. That's incredible. Thank cool. you. I love that because how do, how do we instill that into the next generation, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I know, you know, that um, there's so many salon owners out there and, you know, people come and go in this industry and that's always going to happen. But what about those stylists that don't grow as fast as the others, so to speak, right? They're not that hungry and they're, they're content with making just a little bit or just right. scathing, getting by, like, how do you coach them and what's your thought process on that? Now, I'm glad you said that because I, I feel like right now we're in a snowflake industry right now in time. Snowflake means they melt under adversity. That's what a snowflake stylist is to me. Ah, uh, smell a snowflake. <laughs> they melt, melt under, under adversity. adversity. Oh my gosh, I've never heard that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, you need it. So with it being a whole lot of snowflakes nowadays, we got to kind of freeze them. We got <laughs> to stop yeah. the melting. And what we stopped, 
what what I'm like what I'm doing right now, getting ready for the hair show, it's a different process. Like you said, they comfortable behind the the um the um keyboard. And they can actually tell, put in their bio, hey, I'm a celebrity stylist, but never put the work in. So mm-hmm. basically, they need to, a big homie like myself, like you, we, we, we need to come up and, and do some things um, that can help them, like the hair show that I'm doing. They never did a hair show before, but I've hired choreographers and models, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's no excuse. Hey, I ain't never do no hair show. You don't have to do no hair show. We already got a hair show um, ready for you over here with this choreographer. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like you got to hold a hair right now and teach them. I got to coach them. Mm. So, and this industry is my ministry. So I ain't got no problem with that. This industry is my ministry. So um, a person like me, I feel like God is just pushing me out there to go teach the world, okay? Mm. How we do it and how that hard work pays off. Okay, we had to run with the with the um the um inter- internet. It still work, but you need to have substance to put online. Okay, so it's cool y'all did it, but where's it really getting you? Y'all know y'all broke. You know when you cut the cut it off and you go back home, you broke. I trust me, I know you're broke. See, we made real money. I used to make a thousand, two, three thousand dollars a day, and then I did a whole lot of people thirty to forty heads a day. You're doing 10 people a month. Where are you making money? And then y'all want all the money. Y'all, now, I give it to y'all. Y'all spending money and y'all living y'all life. But you're not making enough money to maintain that. And then you get depressed online when you see certain people doing something that probably really ain't even doing it. And you get depressed. You get off that box. And then you just give everybody hell around you instead of saying, you know what? Let me put my head down, stack my money, mm. and go to work and invest and bet it all on myself and get a product and sell that product. Start small and grow. Go without. All your 30, from, from 20 years old to 30 years old, you should stack and save all your money and be a multimillionaire in your 30s. I learned that because I made it all and I lost it all. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? And now we're on our way back to being a multi-billionaire because the things that I've learned. And that's just it, mm. speaking it into existence. But they got, to, they got to realize that what we're doing, it ain't it. I have to improve upon what I'm doing by adding different things to what I'm doing. I got to really be more of an extrovert than an introvert. I got to get out there. I got to shake some hands. I can't say no. I got to crowd my schedule like I did with different things involved in my industry. You get what I'm saying? And then you'll stay out of trouble. Get you some sleep at nine, 10 o'clock. See, if you crowd your whole day, you don't take all them breaks. You sleep a little bit here and there, but get you some good sleep and repeat it every day. See, that's the only reason I'm who I am today. Because every single day, all day, every day, seven days a week, I did hair. And I was involved in the hair business for years. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so first I I put number one to be a master at no matter what what industry you're in, right? This falls underneath Mm -hmm. any industry is uh, be hungry. And something that uh, goes along with that is work hard. And I mm-hmm. saw that from Kelly Cardenas, one of my mentors, he had on the back of his t-shirts, you know, S-H-A-J-J-J-J, 
with dot, 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 work hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so just put your head down and work, like you said. So that's number one. Uh, number two is say yes to every opportunity you can, right? No excuses. Which yes. You had every excuse in the world, but you said yes to that. Yes, to everything. Everything. Say yes to everything. Like make it work. And number mm -hmm. three, I put down be coachable and be a learner, a constant yes. learner. Number four, something you said earlier, and it kind of goes along with my book, Be Amazing, is stock visionaries. Go after the very yes. best people in yes. your industry and invest in them to become yes. more yes. like them, right? Number five, be an extrovert, not an introvert. Like we all mm -hmm. need to stop labeling ourselves and saying, oh, I'm just an introvert, right? If you want right. to be a master, you've got to be an extrovert. And then I heard you say number six, I put be consistent and you have to day in day out do it sometimes, one of the most important sometimes it gets that gets boring doesn't it so talk yes, to it, that yes. process. How, now get the knock the quit out of people because right. i'm seeing people get bored of it and they leave the industry after two to three years because they're like man i'm not making enough money i think i'll go back to what i was doing before <clears throat> Well, number one, when you when when it's your passion and it's, it's it's what you designed to do, but if it's not your passion and you want to stick in there, you have to find a way to um to motivate yourself. Mm. Like every single day, I get up every single day, I pray. I get up every single day, I read. I probably read about two books a week. So at the end of the year, I'm 104 books ahead of you. I read, 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 and I get my motivation from just various of amazing, like you said, Les Brown, um, Tony Robbins, um, Zig Ziglar. Um, I can go on and on and on, but I make it, I tell you what, you get up every day, you pray, you do 30 minutes of motivation and you read 10 pages of a book every day. What that'll do, that'll inspire you to keep going. So you have to surround yourself with certain type of energy that help you get back up. Cause we're going to fall down. We're going to feel depressed. We're going to want to, we're going to want to stop. I've thought about it. I'm, I'm, I'm a flawed individual too, but it only lasts about two minutes because I keep pumping in myself. Oh, you ain't stopping. What's wrong with you? You ain't going, you just getting started. You're not stopping till it's done. Period. So that's the talk that I have to have myself have with myself in the morning every day. Mm. So basically your prayer, you get your motivation and you get inspired so it can get you ready for the day and tackle them 24 hours. Stop focusing on, oh, I'm going to do this long. No, no, kill every day. Mm. Focus on make it every day so amazing that it spills over to the next day. Because we only, we only got so much in us. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to purge certain stuff out of you so you can be able to see a clear path and put that horse mask on. I can't see to the side. All I can see is the goal line. But you can't have too much in you and thinking about too much. Just focus on, and you don't have to write 10 things down to do. Knock out five. Mm. Make your life simple. Compound interest. It'll add up at the end. Wow. Okay. This could be like the whole, the whole podcast interview here. I love this. So I put that as number seven. I said, kill every day. <laughs> I love that. Period. Every day, make it so amazing. It spills over into the next day. Bottom I love line. That. 
sounds like my life, you know, because I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to constantly refire in my life. So, and I love the fact that you have two things or three things you do every single day. And I call that, uh, for me, it's called the rule of five. And so I call it for you, the rule of three, pray, read and be inspired. That is huge because I even imagine, I actually just stepped up my prayer life this year. My word Mm -hmm. is new this year. So everything that I'm doing, I want to be renewed and rejuvenated. So I stepped up my prayer life. I read a book called The uh, Circle of Prayer, which kind of mm-hmm. shifted my mindset and mm-hmm. uh, journaling my prayers and that kind of thing. And I can't imagine. So talk about that for your life. What does prayer look like for you? Like get real simplified because I know a lot of people okay. ask, like, how do I pray? I, I don't even know where to even start. <laughs> well, 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 I'm glad you said that. In, in, the, in the beginning, before I diligently seek the Lord and read the book every day, I just used to just be me and go to God. Because in church, I remember them saying, come as you are. So I used to just go to God like I'm talking to you right now as a man. Hey, God, I know I messed up. Um, can you help me out? You think you can help me? I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. Stuff like that. Right. And I used, to, I used to say short, like short arrow prayers, like, Work, God, two words. This every day, all day. I'm speaking to him. It, I, I never was the person that could go long prayers. I, like, I could pray a little longer now because I diligently seek God every day. But mm-hmm. I just use like work, God, let the blood of Jesus. It was certain words that I learned in church that I just would say it to protect me. God, protect me. Protect my car. Cover me in the blood. Send down your angels of heaven to put your angels from heaven to protect me. I made it even quoted like it was quoted in the Bible, but I knew my heart was pure and I knew I would speak to him. So I spent time with him and I always believed in him. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that if it wasn't for God, I would not be here because of everything that I've been through. Yeah, that's just incredible and beautiful. And so I love that. Just talk to God like he's your best friend, just sitting there. That's next- it as he is. And I love that you just simplified it. And then I love the fact that you read it. And it's, it's that's so me, my staff, I drive them crazy because mm-hmm. every day it's a new book that I'm telling mm-hmm. them about. <laughs> and they're like, how yep. many books do you want me to read? And I'm like, you gotta read this book, you know, because yes. it, shifts, it shifts your mindset. Yes. It like turns something on. On a riveting ride. Mindset. What's, what's been that story for you, shifting your mindset with reading? Tell, tell people, because I know so many people just won't read. You know, yeah, I do Audible, books on Audible. I do podcasts like we have right now, of course, too, because there's sometimes my eyes are just too sore to read from doing so much. But talk about why it's so important to read and what has that done for you? Well, what it did for me, because I, I've, um, I graduated from the 12th grade, but I never went to college. I went straight to beauty college. And, you know, I always was told that knowledge is key. So I knew that for a reason when I used to walk in rooms. And I see early on, I was able to go to the Jacob Javits Center, uh, to the I, um, in an IBS show. And I would go in the rooms and they were smarter than me. I didn't know what I was talking about. So I said, after I left New York, I said, never again. I started mm-hmm. reading um, Robert Kiyosaki and, and different motivational books. And I got addicted. And I probably did, I probably did that for about, um, I probably did that for the last 
20 years I've been reading. Mm -hmm. And it, I just became, when I was speaking more and more, I became more intelligent. And I knew more and I didn't, I didn't feel offensive when people would say something that I didn't understand because I already knew it. See, yeah. we only get offended when we don't know something. And, and we got the same 24 hours. And I saw Warren Buffett and I saw everybody that I studied, they would read and get up at 3 a.m. in the morning. So that's what I do right now. I get up at 3 a.m. in the morning. So I'm between 3 and 9, I'm six hours ahead of you before you even get up. Wow, 3 a.m., man, you're two hours ahead of me. I'm a 5 a.m.er, so 3 is a little yes, ahead for me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But right now, you know, I'm going for the billion. <laughs> I love it. That is huge. And I love the fact that you said you have to inspire yourself, too. And, and it made me kind of think of the movie The War Room. And it's something yes. that taught me, like, just yell through your house, right? Yell scripture. Right you know, yell out, you know, uh, you know, ways to help and inspire yourself to, yes. and because I think a lot of people don't do that. You know, they, they get out of their car and they go into work and they've got the doldrums, but sometimes, man, you just gotta, sometimes I'm in the car and I'm just screaming. I remember in, uh, in school and college, when I went, me and my friend, we used to get in the elevator and just scream things and it helped us mm -hmm. see that stress. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And it made us and, happier. It and whatever and whatever it takes to make you happy, that's what you got to do. Whatever it takes to not make you happy, you got to run. Yeah, you got to run away from that. If yelling makes you happy, yell more. <laughs> I love that. And so, because I I truly believe you have to be responsible for the energy you bring in the room. So yes, how do you bring it? Like I'm gonna make that number eight. You gotta you gotta bring it. Bring great energy. Bring energy. It. I always used to say energy is what's going to run companies. So I've never hated on nobody. I've never had no issues with nobody. And I never brought bad energy around nobody. And by me being a host and energetic with everything that I do, um, I had a business called Hype World because I, I, I was hype and energetic and passionate about everything. So I knew I, every time I bring good energy to everything that I do, my sales go up. I get more clients. I get more everything because, man, I'm like, yo, what's up? This is your boy, Coop C in the house, y'all. Doing a real big, big baby. That's right. Come on down. Get that hair done, big baby. <laughs> See, when I do that right there, uh -huh. they, they, they call and they people say, listen to him. Sometimes people call me like, I don't want to talk to you. I want my friends to hear your voice message. Yeah. That energy. That thing so I found out what that energy did. Long, I'm sorry, a long time ago mm -hmm. when I started doing my hair shows. I'm sorry. When I started doing my hair shows and modeling, I mean, and putting the energy into my, my just for my voicemail, they yeah. would literally call me and say, man, we just want to hear your voice message. It'd be a room full of people just want to hear my voice. Yeah. Honestly, you need to be the next Les Brown for sure. And man, and with your help, I think I get there faster. Yeah. With, with the way you speak, you just build people up. But I'm sure there's moments, I'm sure Cole see that you're like, man, I can't bring it today, but you do anyway. How do you how do you shift your mindset from those moments that you can't, you feel like I can't bring it right now, but then you do? Where, what's that gap? What do you do? Okay. So the other day I was like, man, what am I doing? Am I am I really gonna do that? And I click out of it. I went through, I went through, I'm human. So I'm like, you know, because I'm trying to do a lot and this one moving this fast. 
And I said, no, no, no. I had to catch myself. And what I did, I put on worship music mm. from Christ. Yeah. That worship music, first of all, it calmed me all the way down. And it got me right. And it got the devil about it. Because those are devilish thoughts. Because the yeah. devil wants your mind. He don't care about your body, none of that. He wants your mindset. So I got him on my mind with the worship music. Once I listened to that worship music, I calmed down. I put a little bit of How to Stay Motivated by Grant Cordon. I put that up in me. I put it, I keep it in my ear all day. I don't listen to music. I don't watch TV. I'm all day with that. And then it revs me back up and I'm back. Wow. I love it. You completely protect your mind. You protect it so much. And I love the fact that you said that, you know, if you're thinking negative thoughts, that's the devil inside of you. You got to get the devil up out yes. of you. You said yes. that perfectly. Worship music. I love that you said Grant Cardone. I love him too. I have my Joyce Myers that I have to listen to. She's awesome. Yeah. It's the devil up out of me. Like instantly when I'm feeling sorry for myself, I just mm -hmm. have to stop, get rid of that victim mindset. And I know the things I have to listen to. Don't listen to music or TV because it's going to put that double inside of you. It's the worst. Yep, it's the worst. The worst. And I love that you Them lyrics. made number eight, bring it. Energy is what it's going to take to run companies. You have yes. to be energetic. You have to be. So what last piece of advice? So what would you make number 10? So number one, we said, be hungry. Number two, say, say yes to everything. Three, be coachable, be a learner. Four, stalk visionaries, invest in the very best. Five, be an extrovert, not an introvert. Six, be consistent and knock the quit out of yourself. Number seven, kill every single day. Follow the rule of three, which was pray, read, and inspire yourself. Be a master salesman. Be a master salesman. Be a master salesman. The reason why you got to be a master salesman because you can have all the products in the world, but if you ain't got the knowledge on how to sell it, you ain't going to make no money. You got to know how to sell. You have to have a script for an out call. You have to have a script for an in call, and you have to have a script for a follow-up call. All this is a script. And you got to stay focused on selling. You got to know, you got to study selling. There's an art to selling. There's an art to being a cold call killer. There's an art to going in the hashtags and going in them DMs and selling that. They don't even know you, but you sold them because you are a master salesperson. And that's what I am blessed to be. I was in a, on a couch in Detroit and I sold out a hair class in Chicago from being a master salesperson, from being a cold call killer, from selling them the dream and backing it up and delivering and leaving them in awe when I left. But I wasn't afraid of somebody rejecting me, hanging up on me. I didn't care, I don't care. You can do whatever you wanna do because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hit you back. The rule of three, you need to at least talk to me about three times. I'll get you by the third time. So you have to be a master salesman, that is, so important. Well, you know, I don't really sell this and that. Well, you ain't about to be in business long. And you are a seller. You'll sell to your kids. Hey, I'm telling you, baby, you, you go on to practice today. You, you, you're selling all day, every day. You just got to, you have to um, structure it 
and do it with intentions. Sell with intentions. Yeah, I love that. And they follow the philosophy of under-promise and over-deliver. No, we say over-promise and over-deliver. And over-deliver. Absolutely, because it, it makes you sell. You have to sell. You have yeah. to deliver. Yeah, you'll follow through with exactly what you say you're going to do to be a master salesman. Perfectly said, Coolsey. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. You are definitely the master. Thank you. Well, well thank you so much. And it was an honor. First of all, I want to give your flowers while you're here. Thank I'm you. into doing that. You are amazing. When you came to my, um, my, my, my um, hair salon and you taught my staff and you've always showed me a whole lot of love. Uh, my daughter goes to your school. You show her love. I'm just so excited that you um, chose me to be um, one of your good buddies, man. It's, it's, it's just, it just it behooves me every time I talk to you because you're always doing something positive and you always inspire me. So I just want to tell you that you are the bomb, cool tea, and the place <laughs> to be. And this is your boy, Cool C, and I had a good time with you. Thanks, Cool C. <laughs> you take care. All right. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.